good to Dr. see you. Dr. Nick Vanderhagen, you're, you've been an innovator in healthcare for a few years, and uh, you've been an innovator in voice and health, which we'll talk on, but uh, you're the Chief Medical Officer of NTT Data Services, so uh, tell us what your latest mission is. So, um, for, from a corporate standpoint, um, we, we are uh, now part of NTT, the larger organization, which is all about uh, services, systems integration, um, very much focusing the 14,000 specialists who really understand healthcare and delivering um, the understanding that allows you to tie all of this data, solutions, systems all together. Very much a Switzerland in the uh, space and offering, you know, true insights by people that really get it and live and breathe this stuff. So tying the specialists together is unique and it has, must have, because of the complexity and the list of kind of things they do is, is tell me more about the tying the specialists together. So, um, you know, from the perspective of the individuals, we've got people that, you know, like me, I'm a, I'm a good example, I'm a physician, I lived and breathed healthcare, I delivered patient care. Without that kind of comprehension, it's sometimes difficult to understand some of the challenges, the difficulties of incorporating technology in. Now, we all see it from a patient perspective, but we don't all see it from the clinician perspective. So, we've got folks that come from the pharmacy world, people that come from OT, nursing, you know, the whole gamut, and assemble the right resources to pull together a project for a customer that, you know, maybe outsources everything. So we have everything from, you know, full outsourcing all the way through to, um, uh, you, you know, customized projects that are, how do you enable analytics that is functional? It's, integrated into my workflow and delivering value. People talk about it, but how do you actually deliver against it? That's interesting. So what what is, um, can you give me an example of the, the work you're doing with NTT, and then I want to talk about voice and health with you. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, I, you know, some I, a couple of interesting examples. So thinking about analytics, one of the, the uh, frustrating things for a lot of folks is that uh, in analytics, People talk about it, but how are you actually getting to some, some real value? Um, so we did a project that assembled all of the data about patients that wasn't just clinical data. It was social media, you know, everything that the patients would offer. And it was looking at preoperative patients in uh, abdominal surgery, which is from a, a postoperative wound infection uh, concern one of the higher risk areas because you're dealing with the gut and you know so you tend to have a relatively high rate of post-operative wound infection relative to you know other surgeries for example and based on that they took the data all the information applied um, you know analytics to that to identify the patients that were most at risk and played essentially um, intervention to that applying resources to prevent and 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 stop that from happening and had this astounding rate over the course of one to two years reducing uh, post-operative wound infection rates in that cohort by up to 75%. That's awesome. It That's is. great for patients you, and you great know, for... Great for the institution. It saved money. The patients loved it. 
and, and it wasn't about more resources, it was about focusing the resources Smarter that we have right. allocated to the places where they were going to make the most difference. And it was so successful that they're expanding it long past that, one example. Then the other one that I really like in this space is um, done with a partner, so we have a vendor neutral archive um, that's interesting, we've added in imaging, all the lab data, now genomics. I know you have a big passion around the genomics data and you know where that ends. But we have to store that and integrate it. But then what we did was we created an um, application infrastructure that said, how could you apply value to this data? And we partnered with people, and one of the partnered companies is ZebraMed, that says, let's go and look at the imaging data, analyze it, and say, can we find some clinically relevant pieces of data in here about patients that's unknown? requires no clinical intervention, so these are clinically validated studies that will identify patients at risk from osteoporosis from CTs and x-rays and imaging that's already taken place. So we're not saying let's do more imaging. No, right. <clears throat> using existing data, and then what you do is you create, again, a task list of people that you go after and say, let's play some intervention and prevent them from getting osteoporosis or osteopenia. Same with cardiac disease. We're looking at it from a liver perspective. So they're expanding that. So you're able to analyze the, the images, images. Mm -hmm. through some kind of advanced yep. secret sauce technology yep. I'll have. Uh, are you also bringing in and augmenting that with like unstructured data? From no, the so that's interesting. Right? And I, you know, so that, that's the important point here is that this is pure pixel analysis. This isn't right, about right, the right, text. Now, could you? Yeah, absolutely. So as we think about the expansion of that, and you know, think about the vendor neutral archive, there's lots of opportunity to expand on that and say, what else could you do? What else is interesting? Um, you know, where can we derive value? And the key asset here is, don't give the physician more to do. Don't create oh, another, so do the work behind the scenes, make sure that it's clinically valid, so it must have precision and recall, so you know, we're not messing around with, you know, hey, we think, no, we're getting it, and we're getting it with accuracy and, and you know, recall, and then offer the physician that data that then he can go do something with. Now he becomes best friends with patients who he's actually gone to and said, hey, I think you need some help in these areas because this is what we, with their consent, right. to be clear, you know, don't want to sort of, you know, not doing this without people knowing about it, um, don't want anybody to sort of have a surprise, you know, some people don't want to know, okay, that's fine, but I know I want to, and, you know, anybody that lives in the medical world knows intervention early, better outcomes, no question, and, you know, even preventative, and by the way, less cost. That's, that's fabulous. You're doing some really innovative work, uh, making use of images and data to better help doctors be more efficient. But you have, um, you have a bit of experience with voice in healthcare. I do. And uh, I, I think we're, you know, there's been a lot of buzz about the Apple Watch, the mobile phones, but I think voice and uh, virtual agents, can you give me your perspective on uh, how fast consumers are going to adopt voice well, just, and just, asking medical questions and information of Alexa, Cortana? I, I, so, so just look at the adoption rate of Alexa over the uh, holiday period. It was the top selling item in Amazon, as I understand. No surprise. I will tell you that it is the first um, uh, technology device after the iPhone that my wife has says, why don't I have one? 
and that's she skipped always, the Apple Watch. She skipped the Apple yeah, Watch. Yeah, she's not so much into the watch. You know, that, that, that there's a fashion thing in there that I think I mean, people it doesn't sort of look doesn't, uh, doesn't you know particularly if that's important, which I think it is. It's sort of square. But you know, any technology that people are you know really pushing hard, uh, I think is you know clearly on a, a, a pathway to success. Alexa did some really really good stuff around. Uh, voice capture. I believe it's either seven or eleven microphones that are built into the Alexa device, and that's really important because what you're able to do with that is to both directionally find and, and identify where it's coming from, but more importantly, remove all the noise. Um, and that's value in terms of the recognition accuracy, which they then capitalized on. And then you build underneath it an infrastructure that has some natural language processing. It infers and. You know, I think what we saw with Apple and Siri, then Cortana, and now Alexa is not just intelligence, but you know, a humanistic aspect. And some of that is about humor. There's a bunch of Easter eggs that are in uh, Alexa that you know some people don't necessarily know, but you know, um, I, all vested around phrases that we might know. You know, may the force be with you, and there's some clever responses. So. You know, go have some fun. If you've got an Alexa, go find the, uh, the the Easter eggs. But that makes it humanistic. It makes it an interaction. And, you know, you can see that happening. But one thing I would say negative from a healthcare standpoint is in a hospital or a clinical setting, it can be a little bit disturbing if you're directing and having a conversation with something separately. You want to have the conversation with me. So I'm not sure that you're going to see Alexa sort of interacting in the, the, the clinical setting necessarily unless it's to provide data, you know, fetch me the labs or something. Sometimes it's easier with the keyboard because that's, you know, it doesn't intrude on this personal interaction that people like. I think it's going to be an extension of the My Care team. So you think it's another consult in, in that whole discussion? Uh, Alexa, play music. Alexa, turn on the lights. Alexa, what about this mole on my skin? Let me take a look. Let me ask you this question. So I like to say she's always listening, or it's always listening. Yes. So the question is, if I say, Alexa, play jazz music for me, or Jimmy Buffett Station, if I'm just talking and I'm not saying Alexa, is Alexa listening and gathering Absolutely. my points? Even though I haven't mentioned her name, is yep. she gathering well, data points that Amazon's going to put so, into my So there's a lot of discussion phone? about this. I'm not an Amazon employee. I, I, you know, I, I can only tell you my best understanding. But for that passive listening and that trigger word to be occurring, there must be listening occurring. Because otherwise, how else would it know that you said the trigger word Alexa? Correct. So is now, it gathering the data on those other conversations? And, and again, my know? understanding is that Amazon has said, yes, it's, it's capturing it, but it's not keeping it. And it's on a rolling loop that occurs and essentially gets deleted. And there's my Cadillac's paid for, right? The, 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 there's an interesting lawsuit that's currently in process looking to you know, uh, issue some discovery to see if they can identify what went on in a murder case, believe it or not, centered around Amazon and Alexa and whether Alexa was listening uh, and some questionable activity. Right now, Amazon is in, in the courts uh, determining A, whether they're going to release whatever they have. And at the point that we determine that they have to, then we might find out. But their position is we don't keep it. And for the most part, why would they? They don't need to. So I, I can only take them at face value. 
So do you think that uh, using Alexa for health-related and fitness-related things is going to be a big thing, or are we just going to use it to turn on lights and play music? I, I think it's a facile interface. It's just another channel, much as, you know, and it's, it's a generational thing. If you talk to the generations, some people like voice, others prefer text and screens and, you know, they don't want to talk. You know, just take your kids. Do you ever get them to pick up the phone when you call them? Probably not. They just, you know, and they don't even have their voicemail set up or if they're like, you know, some of the kids, you know, hi, this is Nick Van Hayden. Sorry, I couldn't take your uh, call right now. Please send me a text message. So, you know, Alexa just fits into that spectrum. And if it gives you a channel to access information and interact, then I think that's a good thing. Um, but it's not a single point of an answer. I just think it supplements what's going on. You know, frankly, I think that um, people like to order stuff around. And I think Alexa doesn't talk back. So I think that the, quote, the younger generation addicted to text is going to re recognize that they like the virtual agents that they can order around with having, without having to type. Interesting. So I don't have a, 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 a device in my house. Um, I have friends that do. I would be interested, I mean, you, you know, albeit it would be single data points in my instance with my now grown children to see how they interact and whether they would. I know certainly my generation see it and see value. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I think the jury's still out as to whether that's... I, I'm sure we're going to see more of them, see them in cars. Oh, right. And as, as their accuracy continues to rise, it becomes the easier interface. You know, clearly from my history, working from Nuance, they had clear leadership in that space, especially around the healthcare space, where you could say, show me the lab results, give me the lab results. You know, all the variations on a theme. It simplifies your interaction with technology to allow you to get Saves the information. Saves time, right? Exactly. If it's accurate. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a pain in the ass. Exactly. But I think the accuracy of virtual agents so you spent a number of years at Nuance, so you've seen the accuracy of voice recognition and natural language processing light years in what, five, Every, six every years? year it would improve by 20%. Now, that was on a diminishing return because it was already pretty accurate. And the question is, what's the tolerance level? At some point there's a level where people say, yeah, I'm willing to accept it. I don't know where that is. It's interesting in healthcare, I think it's, it can be a little bit better, the accuracy. What we found in radiology, that's why radiology was one of the earlier adopters, was that the accuracy level was higher, quicker, because they're much more predictive. Speech recognition remains essentially a predictive technology that says, I heard the following, therefore I think the next things that are coming. That's part of the, 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 you know, the way that it tries to get to it. And in healthcare, and in radiology specifically, if I say chest, Nine times out of ten, it's going to be x-ray after that. Maybe that's not quite the right. stats, but, you know, that's what's going on. And, you know, in healthcare, it's a much more predictive content, so it's, it's more accurate. So maybe it will be faster adoption in pure healthcare settings versus commercial or, you know, consumer patient focusing. So let's... Uh you're an innovator, and uh, we've given some joint talks together in various groups. Um, so we've gone from graphical user interface to, you know, vo now voice interfaces. What about direct neuro interfaces? Are we just going to be able? How long till I think it, and Alexa will do it? So I think we've already seen some innovation around that space. Um, you know, uh, probably the most exciting and relevant uh, progress has been the enablement of paralyzed individuals. I saw 
just recently a piece that showed somebody that was essentially a tetraplegic that had a, a he, he had decided and, and gone through the protocol to have embedded sensors and was now able to actually action Yeah, I was just talking movement. to Battelle about their just, work in that. And, and uh, you know, so there's a clear need there opportunity. Um, you, you know, what's the point that we get to NEO with the jack in the head? Um, How about the nanobot a drone just uh, circulating, picking up that extending out my mental brainwave so yeah, you I can pick know. it up directly I, so, through your neuron So mostly nanobot. what I know about the the picking up of those emissions, our capacity to sense at any kind of distance is very challenged. You know, even with the sensing head headbands and so forth, they're, they're very sensitive to movement and um, you know, positioning and so forth. So I, that I think is further away, but actually embedding things potentially, why Why not? I mean, why would you bypass that whole interface and think it and it will happen? Lots of, you know, unintended consequences of that kind of stuff, uh, you know, and, and I, I, my wife had not seen uh, Minority Report, so oh, right. we, we rewatched it just recently, and I, I quote that a lot because I think it was—it's been fairly predictive on a number of fronts in terms of you know uh, eye scanning software that scans you and says, "Oh, hey, it's you," so now I'm going to you know. Right. I, I, we're able to start doing some of that. We're doing that with faces. Oh, they're doing it clearly. in department stores, yep. and uh, you're getting real-time coupons because they. They, they know, to your purchase and they're doing it based on the device that's in your pocket, right. and so I think we're seeing some of that. And that was, you know, so that's sort of maybe a picture of the, the future that not everybody likes. But we can just pick the good parts of that and say, I want it. I know what I want. I want a jack for the back of my head for power for everything. <laughs> that's the one thing I'm constantly struggling is where do I get power next? So um, you're an international speaker. What's uh, what's what talk? What's your favorite, what talk are you giving uh, on your rounds these days as people ask you to come out and share your insights? So I, my favorite discussion presentation is all about future thinking and where things, you know, to really get people out of their comfort zone and get them thinking about how technology can expand their area. Obviously, I'm focused on healthcare. The place that I spend the most time trying to understand is outside of healthcare because I think we can learn from those experiences. Absolutely. And if we can bring some of that innovation into the healthcare space, I think we can start to jumpstart some of the broken aspects to the system. So I like blending the worlds. You know, I, I'll pick drone technology that it features in mind. You know, it, it's interesting. Amazon talked about drone delivery and people laughed. Well, now you've got drone delivery happening and we're seeing autonomous heli drones being promised in Dubai for air transportation. Uber already has Uber helicopter in Dubai, but they're also talking about autonomous drones. So imagine that, and I sort of think about that worldwide in, in Africa where you've got drone delivery to really remote, right. and they're using fixed wing drones to drop in technology and, and um, medical supplies. That's yeah, just, you know, I'm really passionate about that. We can spread and, uh, and democratize access. Well, thank you. Drones as a service. It's the future. I Great like it. seeing you. We'll invest. Oh, my favorite discussion of him so far. And uh, have a great day and let's invent the future. Thank you very much. Thanks for okay, having me. Thanks.
么？